as we take this time to receive the blessing from the choir, receive the blessing from God, acknowledge what God has done in your life, and give with a, a spirit of thanksgiving and gratitude.
Jesus, your name is powerful, it's wonderful, it's beautiful, and we are so thankful to you. We give back to you a reflection of our love, of our gratitude, of our commitment to you. We pray that you will take these gifts and bless them to be a blessing to others, that they too may know you and proclaim your holy name. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. Please be seated. Let's pray. Holy God, we come before you today as your servants, as your children, knowing that you are good and that you are there for us. And we lift up our hearts to you today. We lift up the burdens that we've been carrying, the things that are troubling us in our hearts and in our minds. Lord, we lift up to you the people that have been named and the people who have been unnamed, the people that are struggling, Lord. We pray for you to have your healing touch upon them. We pray for healing in people's bodies from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet, Lord, healing throughout their bodies that they may be disease-free and pain-free, that there may be recovering of, from surgery and healing and wellness and wholeness. We pray for people's bodies to receive your Holy Spirit, the manifestation of a miracle in the form of healing. Lord, we pray for people who are troubled in their minds, struggling with anxiety, struggling with depression, struggling with confusion. We pray for clarity, for your discernment and your wisdom, for your peace. We pray that your peace will come upon your people that your Holy Spirit will dwell within all of our minds and give us the mind of Christ, that we will know you more and walk in your way, that our thoughts will be your thoughts. Lord, heal us of anything in our minds that are not holy and lead us in your way. Lord, we pray for our families. Pray a hedge of protection around our families, Lord, that they may be protected. And we pray that you will infuse our families with grace and love. We pray for relationships that are struggling with brokenness, that there may be a flowing of grace and understanding, that a healing may occur between people, in relationships, Lord, send your healing. Lord, we pray for our country, that there may be peace. We pray for our leaders. We lift them up, that they may have your discernment and follow your will. Lord, we pray for our church, that we too will know your way and be with our, our church leaders, Lord, as they are seeking and, and looking and, and discerning. We pray that it all be led by your Holy Spirit. Help us as a community of faith to always be seeking you and to be growing in you. 
Lord, we pray for the world. So many areas that are hurting, Lord. Places like Puerto Rico and Australia and the Middle East. Lord, there's so much hurt. There's so much pain. And we pray that your healing will come across the nations. That we may be a light in the darkness. That we may reflect you and start Start some transformation within the world. May your grace abound. May your people praise. May we see you in our midst in every moment. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray and praise. Amen. Now let's hear from the word of the Lord. Good morning. This morning's scripture is from Mark, chapter 3, verses 20 through 35. Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, He is out of his mind. And the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, He is possessed by Bilzebul. By the prince of demons he is driving out demons. So Jesus called them over to him and began to speak to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. Then he can plunder the strong man's house. Truly, I tell you, People can be forgiven all their sins and every slander they utter, but whoever blasphemies against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of an eternal sin. He said this because they were saying he has an impure spirit. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, Your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and my brothers, he asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Oh, Jan, did you put these awards of mine in the closet? What if I did? Well, why would you do a thing like that? Because I felt like it, that's why. What kind of a dumb reason is that? I want to know why you did it. It's none of your business. Jan, wait a minute. I don't care to discuss it. Come back here. Can you hear me, Scrooge? Sure. Well, you must admit it was a goofy thing to do. So I'm goofy. What's that to you? You can at least tell me why. Uh, hand me another Scrooge. nothing that bothers me the most. I didn't hurt the awards. Marsha always makes such a big deal out of everything. Jan, if those had been your awards and Marsha had dumped them somewhere, wouldn't you be upset too? 
I guess. But every time Marsha turns around, they hand her a blue ribbon or something. Oh, now, Jan, you know that isn't so. Marsha's worked very hard for those things. Well, all I hear all day long at school is how great Marsha is at this or how wonderful Marsha did that. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Can you imagine growing up with Marsha Brady as your older sister? How can you live up to perfection? Except, of course, my wife who was much better looking and much more, but never mind. Imagine now, if you will, growing up with Jesus as your older brother. Imagine that all you hear about it, well, the angels appeared when Jesus was born. A star showed up in the sky when Jesus was born. Jesus can walk on water. He can turn water into wine. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We're going to talk today about Jesus' brother, James. This sermon series is about how lives can be transformed by God. Did you figure out the, the, the vision chart yet? I just told you, so that, that gave it away, didn't it? Lives transformed through God. And you notice how small God is? That's oftentimes how we look at God. He's a little piece of our lives over here. We sometimes take a little time for him. Maybe we'll go to church. Maybe we'll look at the Bible once in a while. But are our lives truly changed? Every program we do, every activity we do, everything we might do in the course of our lives won't matter if our hearts and our lives aren't changed by God. So a lot of things that happen in our lives before we're even aware it happens. And a lot of it comes from who we were growing up. We don't know a lot about Jesus before he turned 30. We have the stories of his birth, and then we have the, the one story where he stayed in the temple, and his parents were upset by that when he was 12. But then for 18 years, we have nothing. So we have nothing from 0 to 12 and from 12 to 18. What happened? We know that his father, Joseph, was a carpenter. We know that his father, Joseph, was a righteous man. It says so. He was, a, he was a person who tried to keep the rules. He was someone who was willing to sacrifice his reputation, his life, if you will, both for his son, or stepson, actually, and for his wife. We know that his mother, Mary, was the most blessed woman on the face of the earth. Imagine living up to that reputation. She's faithful. She's good. That's what we know about his parents. His siblings, it's a little different. In fact, we have all sorts of different legends about it, whether or not these were actually Jesus' siblings or not. The Bible says that, that Mary and Joseph didn't come together until after Jesus was born. In the Bible, they're referred to as his siblings, not his step-siblings or anything. So I believe these were Jesus' younger siblings. James was the oldest. Then there was Jude, and there was Jose and Simeon. And then there were some sisters. It doesn't tell us who they were. Some think Anna or Solome. But Jesus' siblings had to live in the shadow of this older brother who always did everything perfect. James. He's known in the, in the uh, church as James the Just. We see by his book that he's a responsible, 
righteous, action-oriented type of fella. But how did he grow up? And it matters how we grow up. In the book of Proverbs, it tells us, start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Last week, we talked about breaking the chains of the things we've done wrong in the past. And I said to those who are parents who always seem to feel guilty about what they didn't do right, if you did your best, you did everything you could. We have to let go of those issues that we may have caused. But what about the things that happened to us? Sometimes things happen. Back in the ancient days when sailing ships had tall sails and wooden hulls, there was a fellow named John who was born in England. His mother was a very Christian woman, and she tried to teach young John about God. His father was a sailing captain. He was away on the ships a lot, and from time to time he would stop home and see his son. At the age of six, John's mother died. That's a pretty tragic thing for a little boy to experience, especially with a father who hasn't even been around very much. He got shipped from relative to relative for a few years, and then when he turned 11, his father took him out on the sailing ships with the rough and tumble crews that were sailors. He learned how to be a sailor. He learned how to be tough. He learned how to fight a fight if he needed to. And he grew up angry and frustrated at what life had done to him. At the age of 17, his father retired from sailing, and John was basically on his own. As he made his way to the docks one day, the British Navy saw him, and since he was young and strapling and had some naval experience, They told him, you're a Navy man now. Back then, it wasn't a draft. It was a capture. They literally took you. Kidnapped, some people would say. He was even less happy. And they took him on the the ship, and, and he did what he was supposed to do, but he grew more and more frustrated and angry, and one day, he tried to escape, to desert. They caught him, tied him to the mask, and whipped him demoted him to the lowest level sailor they had on the ship. He became more angry, more bitter. And when he got the opportunity, he found a way to get on another ship. This ship had a different kind of mission. What they would do is they would take money from England and soldiers from England, and they would travel to Africa, and they would capture people, enslave them, carry them over to the Americas where they would sell them for rum, then take the rum back to England to sell it for money. And so John went to work on a slaving ship. He didn't like that either. So the captain got tired of him, and instead of of having him on the ship, he sold him in Africa to a fellow there who made him a slave of his wife. And John, a fellow raised in England, became a slave in Africa. What would you be like if this happened to you? How would you feel if your life started to just 
crumble before you, if you felt deserted, if you felt abandoned, if you felt attacked, if you felt assaulted, and most of the people around you were involved in things that were just plain evil. Sometimes what happens to form us in our lives comes to us without our decisions. In the Old Testament, in the book of Deuteronomy, we have the Ten Commandments, and one of them says, you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. Sometimes we're programmed. We're programmed to be what we are raised to be, whether we wanted to be or not. You might not agree with that, but let me just try a couple things. Look both ways before. Get down off that counter. You want to put that stick down. You want to poke. How do you know these things? When did you learn them? When did you first learn to put a spoon in your mouth and not in your ear? How did you learn to put two feet in front of each other? They were taught to you before you even thought about it. And, and so were the dysfunctions and the brokenness and the problems that came to you without you even being aware of it. We receive from the people around us both blessings and curses, an assortment of good and bad, and it was the same for James. In family situations, if you have older siblings, they take on certain roles. So the firstborn male will act like the father, and the firstborn female will act like the mother. So, you know, Jesus, he took after Joseph. He was sacrificial. He did righteous things. He was willing to give of himself. And one of his sisters took after Mary. James, he really wasn't sure what he's supposed to do. He didn't have a role. Probably frustrating. And even more frustrating is growing up in the house of a hero, an absolute bona fide, save the whole world, ruler of the universe, hero. Because of it, he really didn't think as much of Jesus as we do. Jesus knew it. In the book of Mark, he, he, Jesus says, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town and among his relatives and in his own home. In fact, it even says in John, even his own brothers did not believe in him. Jesus is in this gathering of people and it says people are pressing him about. He doesn't even have time to eat and his family decides to do an intervention. Did you get that? They're going to go and bring Jesus home. Do you know why? Not because they're worried about him not eating. Because they think he's nuts. They think he's cuckoo. He's lost his mind. He's out of his senses. And the very teachers and authorities, the leaders of that culture and society, said something even worse. They said, can you find it in the word chart? He was... Oh, that's too hard. It's over there on the left hand. There. Possessed. He was possessed. 
by a demon. The family goes to see him. They, they don't even come inside. They're so embarrassed by Jesus, they won't even walk in the house. Do you know how that would feel? I thought about imagining if my family came to see me and they wouldn't step foot inside the church. How would that feel? To have your family so reject everything you're doing that they won't even come in the very building that you're in. They thought he was possessed. And the truth is, some of us are held captive. We are, in some ways, almost possessed by what we were designed to be, for good or bad, from early on in our lives. But we do not have to remain in that condition. The book of Romans, chapter 12, says to us, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. God intends for us to be transformed from brokenness to healing, to be changed, to be made something new by the power of God, and he will work in our lives to make it happen. The young man John escaped from his captors in Africa, And he found himself aboard a ship. It was a slaving ship. He knew the trade. They took him on. He worked with the crew. One day, they got in a storm. And I don't mean a little storm. I mean a storm that even the sailors believed they were going to the bottom of the ocean. Imagine being in a situation where you absolutely feel like your life is about to end. And John remembered. He remembered what he was taught before before his mother died, when he was a little boy, and he did something he said he hadn't done for years and years and years. He prayed to God to save him. He prayed to God to save him, and he says that he believes that God saved him and that ship. And so he did something else he hadn't done for many, many years. He started reading the Bible. When he got back to England, he found his sweetheart from back when he was 11 years old, and he married her, a young woman named Mary. He still worked the ships. He still was in the slave trade, taking troops from England to Africa to capture people, to carry them through the Middle Passage, through the Atlantic Ocean, over to the Americas where they could get rum to take back to England to sell. Until he had a stroke. And he could no longer work the sailing ships. I don't know how much God actually does control our lives, but we sometimes wonder what God has to do with us to change our lives to what they should be. You see, we've decided that, like Jesus' family, we want to take charge of Jesus. We want to take charge and control of what Jesus is going to do. We want to tell Jesus what he should do. We want Jesus to bless what we've decided to be instead of living into what God has already decided to bless in our lives. People wonder why they're not blessed. They're not blessed because they're not seeking what God wants. They're seeking what they want. And we should be seeking to be blessed by what God's decided to bless in our lives. 
because God calls us to change. Or, as it says in here, anybody see it? To be, I already gave you the clue, starts with a T, transformed. It's hard to see these things unless someone shows us. He was hired for Jesus' brother, too. He didn't believe in what Jesus was saying or teaching. He had grown up with him. He had lived with Jesus for years and years and years. But he didn't follow Jesus until a couple things happened. One was that Jesus, in his resurrection, chose James for an individual appearance. It says so in the book of Corinthians, where it says to us, Jesus was buried, and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and he appeared to Cephas, or Peter, then to the twelve, and that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, his own brother, by himself. And something changed in James. I think it would change in me if my brother died and came back to life to talk to me, too. I would have a hard time believing my brother is the son of God. I'm going to tell you that, regardless of what they're like. I'd have a hard time with that. My family has a hard time with thinking about me as a pastor. Nonetheless, son of God. But if he came back from the dead, it changed James. He started to hang out with the other disciples, and in fact, he was in the upper room. In Acts chapter 1, it says to us, they all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. He was in the upper room when something amazing happened. Do you remember the story? The Holy Spirit came down from heaven and filled them all. They were totally filled with the Holy Spirit, and he was transformed. How? By meeting Jesus, by meeting the risen Savior, by knowing God personally, which is the way we're transformed too. If we do all the things that people to tell us to do about our faith, but we don't have the power of the Holy Spirit in working in us, we're like an automobile without an engine. It looks good but it's going nowhere. John, or rather James, was transformed. In this uh, passage, it tells us that Jesus says that we need to cast out evil. Evil doesn't cast out evil. The things of people don't cast out evil. He says the Holy Spirit cast out evil. No one can enter a strong man's house without first Tying him up. Then you can plunder the strong man's house. And the strong man in this passage is Satan. And he says the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to control Satan. Or to, it's a little word, starts with a B. Do you see it? Bind. There it is. To bind Satan. To make Satan, instead of working against our lives, be unable to destroy our lives. 
And so God gives us the power through the Holy Spirit so that we can see 2020 vision, clearly what God wants to do, and bind the work of Satan in our lives, the brokenness, no matter where it's come from. See clearly and be free. You are the children of your upbringing. I'm the son of Richard and Lorraine Kraft. I thought about bringing a picture of them. They were like movie stars, incredible people. My father was a World War II hero, and then he went on fires for 40 years, bonafide hero. We're raised by our parents, and they do send us messages, some of them good, some of them bad. But we're not just children of people. We're children, where is it? There it is. Children of God. And that changes everything. The book of Romans tells us that it's about how the Spirit of God is put into us. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Daddy. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are whose children? God's children. And because of that, we are inspirited. The, the Spirit is put in us. That's what the word inspire means, to be inspirited, to have the Spirit put into our lives for transformation, which gives us a power we wouldn't have without it. And it gives us the ability to be free from, starts with the C, chains. Oh, you're getting good at this. To be set free from the chains that Satan has used to bind us in our sin and brokenness. God sets us free. Deuteronomy does tell us in the Ten Commandments, you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. But it also says, and showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You see, we don't have the power to overcome Satan. We don't have the power to overcome evil. We don't have the power to overcome the messages that have been planted in our mind from the past, the brokenness that comes down in our world. But God does. With the power of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can bind up the brokenness and take control of our lives. Keep those good messages. Look both ways before crossing the street. Don't wander around with a stick and poke somebody's eye out. But those broken messages, you can turn those off. God gives you the ability to say you're not going to listen to him anymore. You will not be bound by Satan, bound by brokenness, controlled by things that are wrong. James actually went on to become the bishop of the church of Jerusalem, the most powerful Christian church in that day. He was listed amongst the leaders every time. Peter, sometimes Paul, and James, other times Peter, John, and James. Always 
the brother of Jesus. He was transformed by the power of God. From resenting Jesus to representing Jesus. Now, it's fascinating that he doesn't change his personality. If you read his book, he's still about helping the poor. He's still about not being impressed by money. He's still about being righteous and keeping the rules. He's still about living out faith. But now he's doing it in the service of Jesus Christ. He's been changed. I'm sure when Jesus took off on his journey, he had been resentful. I'm sure when he found himself having to carry the responsibilities of the family, he didn't appreciate it. But now he understands what Jesus was doing. And he can change the message, and so can we. Because God wants to change our lives. He wants to transform us. In verse 29, we have a verse that really bothers a lot of people, 28 and 29. Truly, I tell you, people can be forgiven all their sins and every slander they utter. We can be forgiven anything, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of an unforgivable, eternal sin. See it up there? Unforgivable, that's what you are. Oh, I'm sorry, that's the wrong song, isn't it? Yeah, wrong words. But are we? Have we committed it? I've had people come to me and ask me that question. Have I committed the sin that cannot be forgiven? What if you were like John? He worked in the slave trades. He, he sold human beings. He killed human beings to make money. That's just the stuff we know about him. There's a lot he did that was wrong. Can he be forgiven? Or is he damned for all time? To commit the unforgivable sin means that you turned your back on God. It means you won't let the Holy Spirit work within you. The only person you can't forgive is someone who will not have a relationship with you, who refuses forgiveness. You can forgive anyone else. And so can God. And so will God. The people who worry about committing the unforgivable sin haven't, just to put you at rest. All right? I suspect just the very fact that you're here means you haven't committed the unforgivable sin. But we have committed sins. And just like young John, we've done things that are wrong and that we hold in the darkness of our lives, and sometimes we need to get rid of those, cast them out, break those chains. That's why we remind ourselves, not of our sin every week, which we confess, but of God's forgiving grace every week when we go to God in prayer. Shall we pray? Dear God in heaven, I have sinned. I've broken your heart. I've broken other people. You know that, Lord. Forgive me. Change me. Help me to repent and become the person you want me to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
You see, wanting it and living into it aren't always the same thing. John wanted to change. He read the Bible, but he was still living in the brokenness. We do that a lot, don't we? Remember, Jesus' family was waiting outside the house. I think sometimes we're sometimes sort of outside the house and sometimes inside the house. You know what I mean? There may be some of you that feel completely in the house and some of you that feel completely outside the house. A lot of us feel like we've got a foot in both camps, just like John did. We want to do the right thing, but we let other forces pull us the wrong way. God wants us to step into the house, be fully and completely transformed. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. John actually became a pastor. He went on to serve a church out in the countryside in England and then in London itself. After a number of years, he decided that slavery was truly and totally immoral. He became what in those days they called an abolitionist, started to work against slavery. And he's best known, John Newton, for writing these words in his song.
of Jesus Christ. Peace, brother. What's that? Yeah, it's, it's kind of fun. I'm all tangled up. <laughs> I was coming one, one way. <laughs> all right. That's better. Thank you. 
table, we remember the grace of Jesus Christ. And if we come to the table with a repentant heart, seeking God, we receive grace in return. And so whether this is your first time here or you've been here all along, you are welcome at the table to receive God's grace. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Before the mountains were brought forth or you had formed the earth from everlasting to everlasting, you alone are God. You created light out of darkness and brought forth life on the earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through your prophets. And so, with the people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ, in whom you have revealed yourself, our light and our salvation. In his baptism and in table fellowship, he took his place with sinners Your spirit anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to announce that the time had come when you would save your people. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which Jesus gave himself up for us, he took the bread. He gave thanks to you. He broke the bread and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat, all of you. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup. He gave thanks. And as he poured out the cup, he said, This is the blood, my blood, of the new covenant, poured out for you, poured out for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Drink of this often, remembering me. And so, in remembrance, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us. As we proclaim the mystery of faith, Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, 
that we may be for the world, the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. And now let us pray the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Will those who are serving please come forward? I'd like to invite you all to stand if you're able as we sing together Amazing Grace. Mm -hmm. 
God wants to transform all of our lives and break through the brokenness. Whatever binds you, whatever chains have held you, whatever you have from your past, from your life, in the name of Jesus Christ, we cast them out. We bind up Satan and push him out of your life. And at this point, you are set free by the power of God. Now live in the Holy Spirit and the power of God that your life might be full and complete and seek what God wants to bless and live into his blessing. Go in the grace of God. Amen. Amen.